0: 9, uh, depending on what, uh, you may have grown up in a church where you said this every single Sunday, okay? You may have called it the, the Our Father. You may have called it the Lord's Prayer, where every single week you, you said this, okay? I came from a tradition like that, okay? And so, uh, we're that's not what we're going to do. We're going to Dig into what was Jesus communicating when he tells us, hey, this is how you should pray. Not from a standpoint of like word for word, line for line. But where, where is he trying to place us right to, to be connected to him? So Matthew six, verse nine. Therefore, you should pray like this. OK. Um, Our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. And will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then some of your Bibles may have some brackets that says for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There's actually a purpose for those brackets. Um, and this is just kind of some Bible 101 here. Okay, oftentimes uh, those sections of scripture, are sections of scriptures, that the earliest documents that we have didn't include this section. But there's been plenty of other documents that are dated at a later time, and so they kind of slide it in there. But they let you know that the earliest ones didn't have this. Okay, the oftentimes the Bible translators will take something like this and they go, "Oh, we we can put this in there and let people know because." There isn't anything that's changing anything about Jesus. There's no new teaching. So that's why that is there. But our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. The most important aspect of what we talk about today and next week, the following week, and really every single week is not the information that get, gets passed along but that we are truly practicing this in our daily lives. And I understand everybody has different schedules and you're in different seasons. And so it may not fit in the exact same way, but then we begin practicing this. So when we hear from Jesus and he says, his, listen, therefore you should pray because of all the things He said before in Matthew chapter five and Matthew chapter six about uh, and specifically about prayer. Uh, he says this, starting out with this concept of our Um, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Really, what, what I would love for us to do is every single day for us to be having just some time to meditate on this and pray on this. It's okay to go slower as we read and study our Bible, it's okay to not rush through it. You go, okay, our Father in heaven, holy. You know, Of just slowing down and going, what are the implications of this line, Our Father in heaven. There is so much. Here's the really, this is one of the most exciting parts of our Bible. Is the writers of the Bible lived in a time and in a culture that is so vastly different than what we're used to. We want answers and we want them quickly and we want them Clearly. Like, I want to know, like, tell me. That's why sometimes maybe we even want to just pray it straight through because we don't want to have to spend the time to discover a message. We don't want to slow down and go, wow, what are the implications okay. of Jesus saying, our father in heaven. Our, our father, not, not my father in heaven. Right? It's this community of, of our father, of taking some time and going, man, all of God's children, it, it's our father. And it can go in a lot of different ways when we to think about that. First of all is probably memories of our own father here. And that can go in a number of different ways. You may have grown up with a father that you respect and you love, and they're disciples, and they brought you up in the faith, and all of those things go, wow. That, man, that is that's the best case scenario. But then we also know there's a lot of sad stories, too, of fathers who aren't present, fathers who aren't examples, fathers who don't raise their children in the faith. Fathers who are abusive, fathers who are neglectful, fathers who just don't care—we know all of those things happening happen, and probably all of us in here, there's a little bit of that going on throughout our family here. So, can you imagine why that would be a difficult thing if you hear this, oh, Father? I'm so he's he's asking me to address him as a father. And everything, if everything I know of a father is negative or neglectful or I don't respect my father or something like that, can you imagine how this just becomes really hard right from the beginning? Now, maybe you have had a father that has raised you in the faith to become a disciple. Maybe that's happened. But even in those cases, and my children are well aware of it, is even as a dad who is trying to raise his family in the faith, God is greater and better than me as a father, right? So all of us, this is meant to really put us in a place of, wow, this is absolutely incredible. Let's take a look at what would they think of when they heard the word father, okay? What would they think of, right, in their time? Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. <laughs> there was an understanding of the time, of the place they were in the world. Now this psalm was written 800, 900, 1,000 years BC. But this was something that was considered a normal aspect of a father. as a Father has compassion on his children. Can you imagine God having compassion? Being able to understand and being able to empathize and to be able to start a time with God and going, man, not just our Father in heaven, but God, I am praising you that you are perfect in your compassion. How, how much pressure, and, and again, you don't have to answer this right now, but I want you to think about this. How much pressure comes off when our Father in heaven is compassionate? I I understand. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not just becoming put off. Like, I can have compassion. I know the weaknesses of people. I understand the nature of the world, okay? As a father has compassion. So, our Father in heaven. And that idea of heaven early, early, early on, you know, oftentimes we still do it. as well, heaven's up there. Okay? And I guess if you're on the other end of the planet, heaven's down there. Or wherever you are on the planet, heaven is just out there somewhere, okay? And the terminology of our Father in heaven is really letting us know that there's this abode, there's this place where, where Jesus went when he was resurrected from the dead to sit at the right hand of his father. And is it a physical place that's like man, just to the left of the milky way galaxy or something it's like no it's not here it's away from us and we trust that it's there our father in heaven and praise him for his compassion on his children first thessalonians chapter two paul is talking to the christians in thessalonica okay and he says as you know like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. It's interesting, he says, as you know, right? This this was this was a common ideal of a father. As you know, he's telling the people, as you guys know this already this is what dads do. They encourage, they comfort, they implore. All right, what's interesting about the first two words, encourage and comfort, is actually positional. It actually means that he's alongside of us, walking with us. One is as an advocate, and the other is kind of like, listen, let me let me just kind of like comfort and, and help you out here. But then there's the imploring of, of just the idea of let me... Let me really strongly spur you on and encourage you to live this and not holding anything back of the difficulty of this life, okay? So we need encouragement, we need comfort, and he says, just like a father, and again, as we pray this, our father in heaven, man, praise him that he is a father who will encourage, will comfort, and man, he will implore us to walk worthy of God, all right, So again, you, you just, we just took this one sentence and just kind of like, boom, like all of these implications here of our Father in heaven, right? Hebrews chapter 12, it says, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons, For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you're without discipline, which which I'll receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. There's something about this here. We can learn this as parents, all right? And he isn't, you know, he isn't saying, hey, this is how you should do it in a certain way, but he's saying there's, as, as parents, we should be disciplining our children because God disciplines us, Okay? And he says that if you don't discipline them, and he says, shouldn't we, uh, you know, shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live for they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. What an incredible lesson that we get to teach our children of the idea of, yes, you want to know what, as a true child of God. He says, endure suffering as discipline, and that's actually part of it, so we'll share in his holiness. It's not an anger of, I'm so sick and tired of you, and why can't you change? It's the idea of, it's going to be unpleasant, and I'm okay with that, because I'm trying to get you somewhere, okay? And so he says that, he says, no discipline seems enjoyable at times. Listen, I would love for my children to be happy with me all the time, all right? All right? I would love to never have to say no never have to put a stop to anything except here's the thing is, is as a parent I have to be calling my children to who God is and if God is willing to do something that I'm not willing to do but there's a problem there okay and going okay it's, it's unpleasant it's unpleasant but painful later on however it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it so again my hope is We could be praying, our Father in heaven, man, praise you that you discipline us. Could, Could you say that? Because what he's saying is, if I don't, you aren't my child. Oftentimes, what we want most is a life that has no suffering whatsoever. And we pray to God for that. And we yearn for that. And we live our lives in a way that will require the least amount of hardship. And all along, God is going, I'm okay with hardship. I'm okay for my children to endure hardship. Because it's going to reap the benefit of peace and righteousness. And it brings them to to a greater level of holiness with me. Okay? And so, so, again... This, this little line that we started out with, our Father in heaven. And what a great way to start a day, a shift at work, finish a day, whatever is, is, God, thank you. Our Father in heaven. And what I'm thinking, all of my brothers and sisters, our Father in heaven, praise you that you are our perfect Father. It is absolutely amazing thank you that you comfort us thank you that you encourage us thank you that you're compassionate to us thank you that you discipline us thank you for that right what a great way to start can you imagine here's my experience when i'm actually like putting myself in that posture in that place in front of god something changes with me just like just saying of just the idea of, okay, I have to be in a different place Then, God, why are you doing this to me? Why is it so hard? Why aren't I getting what I want? Why isn't my life turning out the way it's supposed to turn out? There's a very different kind of first step to our day when we begin to see this, okay? And he says, so our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Some of your verses Or some of your translations may be our Father in heaven, holy is your name, or hallowed be your name, or something like that. And this, I like the Christian Standard Bible's translation right here. Your name be honored as holy. Let's just sit for just a little bit of time on that. The the person praying this and saying, your name, Father. As we've said before in Galatians 4, in Romans 8, he said he gives us his Holy Spirit inside of us that even allows us to say, Father. Okay? Because here, here's the interesting thing is, is there's, it, it's really fascinating, because in a sense, every human being that's been built on this earth is a child of God, Right? From from the most generic sense of God being the Father of all. But he's talking about something very specific. He's talking about his kingdom children. And this this is what he's saying, in in my kingdom, the, the children of God, who the Holy Spirit is in them, prompting them to say, Father, Father, Father. Like, I'm hearing you. I'm ready to listen to you. Some of us, if you're familiar with that, right, is is uh, in Romans chapter 8, I think in Galatians 4 as well, where it says, you know, the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. And and we've done a great job preaching. Sometimes as preachers, we really mess things up, okay? And it sounds great to make it so emotional, like, Daddy, Daddy, and we make it so kind of like just... And, hey, that's okay, except that's not what that means. Abba, Father is Father. If you want to say Daddy, you can say Daddy. That's okay. But the the understanding of the of Abba, Father is I'm here to listen to you. I'm here. I, I want to hear you. I'm here, Father. All right? And that's what the Holy Spirit, when he puts it inside of us, that's what's so amazing about having the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I pray that we never get to a place where we just kind of like just make that not a huge deal of how we have the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. This is really good. Your name be honored as holy. I want you to imagine yourself praying that. I want you to imagine yourself this evening. I want you to imagine yourself tomorrow morning praying this and our father and praying in a way of gratitude and praise and thank you and your name be honored as holy right and that word holy means really set apart or sanctified completely clean okay totally unique (laughs) there is no one like God and he is nothing like our world okay and so hope you know so it's our father, your name be honored as holy. Let's look at Leviticus 19. And um, if, if there's, you know, you might have groaned a little bit when you heard Leviticus. Okay. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, man, Leviticus is great. Okay. If you're groaning at Leviticus, you haven't read Leviticus. Right? Okay. This is really, really, really good stuff right here. But Leviticus 19, do I have a slide for this? No, okay. Leviticus 19, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, and he said, Speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, Be holy, because I, Yahweh your God, am holy. Be holy because Yahweh is holy. He's perfectly unique, powerful, sanctified, set apart. And we're praying, we want your name to be honored as holy. That's what he's asking us to pray, except sometimes that can be a little ambiguous. Like, well, what does that mean? And he's going to describe this to us here as he goes down in verse 3 okay like put your seatbelts on right here okay each of you is to respect his mother and father you are to keep my sadness i am yahweh your god do not turn to idols or make cast images of gods for yourselves i am yahweh your god okay so he's already set it up he says i'm yahweh i'm holy be holy because i'm holy okay and he says right here, respect your mom and dad. Keep my Sabbath, I'm Yahweh your God. When you offer a fellowship sacrifice to the Lord, sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. It's to be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or on the next day. But what remains on the third day must be burned up. If any is eaten on the third day, it's a repulsive thing. It will not be accepted. Anyone who eats it will bear his punishment for he has profaned what is holy to the Lord. That person must be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You must not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the foreign resident. I am Yahweh your God. Okay, he's saying, listen, if you want to grasp, if we want God's name to be honored as holy, we have to look here and go, he's holy and he's teaching us this is what holiness looks like right down there on planet earth. So when you have a vineyard and and maybe you're thinking, I'm glad I don't have a vineyard. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad that's not the case. But he's going, no, if you have something, you know, what we want to do, see, you made your money off the vineyard. And it's really easy to go, no, I want everything. And then I'm going to send my kids back out and go through it a second time and go through the third time, and go through the fourth time, because I want to make sure we get every single last grade because we need that income. He said, no, here's where God is different. He said, when you go to read, leave the edges completely full. For who? The foreigner and the poor. The devil, know we can go into that vineyard and we can eat. Like, they haven't, and, and in a way, God is saying, man, I'm not greedy. I don't, I treat you guys, like, I make sure you guys are taken care of. I make sure that you guys have what you need. I make sure of that, and to be holy like I'm holy, <laughs> and now this is its expression on earth. So, it's one of the, it hopefully will make us rethink the things and the money and the funds that we have. And to begin to think that, you know, God in his holiness, he begins to show us here that there's something about the corner and the poor. And he's saying, leave the, the edges um, unreaped and don't go back over it again, right? Just go over it one time. Do a good job, get all that you need, but there's going to be some things left. Leave it. Right? This is costing him money. This is costing him something, and God's like, "Yes, because holiness does cost. It just does, right?" And so, uh, when you reap the harvest, He goes on to verse eleven: "You must steal, or you must not steal." I'm sorry. (laughs) I heard. I heard somebody go, yes. (laughs) Finally, we got to the good part of the Bible. (laughs) You must not steal. You must not act deceptively or lie to one another. That's normal in our world, to act deceptively, to lie. God said, I don't do it. I'm holy. I don't do that. And you don't do it. This is the expression of holiness down on earth, right? Is, this isn't just, you know, that where we can boil the Bible down to. Oh, it's just a list of do's and don'ts and what I can do and what I can't do. And God is going, I want you to share my holiness. I want you to be holy because I'm holy. And I'm going to show you what that expression is on planet Earth that you live on. Don't steal. Don't act deceptively. Don't lie. Don't swear falsely by my name. Profaning the name of your God. He says, I am Yahweh. Don't oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages do a hired hand must not remain with you until the morning. You must not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but you are to fear your God. I am Yahweh. You must not act unjustly when deciding a case. Don't be partial to the poor or give preference to the rich. Alright? Stop and think about that for a second. Okay, this isn't just like, hey, if the person's poor, then we must have to like, you know, he's saying, no, don't show partiality. If there's something that needs to be reconciled, don't show partiality to the poor or give preference to the rich. Judge your neighbor fairly. You must not go about spreading slander among your people. You must not jeopardize your neighbor's life. I am Yahweh. You must not harbor hatred against your brother. Rebuke your neighbor directly, and you will not incur guilt because of him. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against the members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. He's giving us this, 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 like, how do we live this expression of holiness on our day-to-day life? How do we live that way? Because it's funny, when it comes to holiness... There's a two sides to this coin, okay? There's the idea of when God sanctifies us and puts his Holy Spirit inside us at baptism, you're, me and you are completely, 100% sanctified and holy. There's no other place to go. It's just true. He makes us that way. But there's this really interesting kind of like theme through the Bible that there, things are occurring both now, that's true, if you've been baptized into Christ and you have his Holy Spirit, you are completely holy and sanctified, and at the same time, not yet. Is that confusing? <laughs> not yet. What does that mean? It means that all of us know every single day we are still in a battle with our sinful nature. We are still still in need of making a decision to make Jesus Lord of our decisions and our life, and all of these different things, right? Is that still has to happen. We're still in, it. when we're with Jesus forever, for eternity in heaven, that won't, we won't have to worry about that any longer, okay? And so we have this idea of your name be honored as holy, okay? First and foremost, that prayer in and of itself, like there's, there's an understanding of a desire for that. Like, that mean you want that to happen. Like, I want your name to be honored as holy in our just dark world. And there's two ways to go about that. The one way is God going, I'm going to share with you an expression of how to be holy amongst the world, okay? I'm going to share with you that, and then we'll turn over to Ezekiel chapter 36. So... Um, You can jump on over to the right Ezekiel chapter 36 And then there's this aspect of wanting God's name to be honored as holy. Now, here's the interesting thing about a name. For us, a name like, you know, Carl, he, Ben, Roxanne, it's kind of like, oh, it's a name. You kind of like it. Maybe you don't like it. Whatever. Names don't mean a whole lot. Names are about everything that that person is about. So the name of our father, his name to be regarded and honored as holy is we want Every part of him to be honored in our work as holy, okay? Ezekiel 36, 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. It's not for your sake that I'll act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you have profaned among them, The nations will know that I am Yahweh, the declaration of the Lord God, when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land, and I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean, and I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and all of your idols, and I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinance. Then you will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. Okay. And so one of the really important like themes and understanding that we have to have when we're talking about our father in heaven Is that primarily he will make sure that his name is honored above all? Okay, that he will above everything. In fact, he's telling the Israelites, You guys have profaned my name, but I will do a work in you that will now show the world that my name is holy. And he reminds them, It's not because y'all did anything, in fact, you guys have done the opposite. There's a, this passage here is so incredibly graceful from God of going, you guys, man, you guys have behaved in a way that if my name is profane and I will come back to you <clears throat> and the nations will see not that you're great, but that his name is holy And so there's that aspect of it. And then it becomes, then for us, it's a decision, which side of the equation do we want to be on? Okay? Because if the idea is, well, he's going to do that anyway, so I don't need to change how I'm living. No, no, no. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing, okay? It's this other chance here of really seeing how much God is, is trying to get his name honored. As holy, okay. So there's really like three when we're when we're taking just this small section in Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. There, there are three things I hope we can consider, okay? It's one of them, this is a very intimate section right here. Because we're going, you're just not God. You're not just impersonal like being. It's our Father. And what I mean by intimacy is that we we must desire to be taught more about what that means. What does it truly truly mean, okay? Because just having a great lesson or a midweek or a time at home or something about what our father's supposed to mean generally doesn't like just stick immediately, but there's a humility of going, okay, I can praise God. I can pray our father. I can be thankful. And at the same time, just praying, God, I want to know that more and more and more. See, prayer kind of begets prayer, right? It's like, man, I'm praying, but now I'm praying that I'll even understand this more intimately. The way that God wants it to be for us to go and go, no, you're our father. I don't have anywhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go. Like, it's me and you. And I'm praising your name, right? But then again, praying that, do I have like a deep, deep, deep desire for God to be honored as holy in our world? And am I willing to to examine my life? Is God being honored as holy when people look at how Keith lives? Is God being honored as holy? Are people going, wow, God is incredible. Because even when you mess up, we have a chance to be humble and apologize and repent and all of those different things for the world. Wow, there's something different about that. But... Oftentimes we can kind of leave out this idea or even forget altogether to question our desire for that. How much do we want that? How desperately do we want that? How, how, I mean, and there's a desperation to that to even look at the world and go, man, you can, you can, you can hopefully look at our lives as a community and God's name be honored as holy But on another level, how often is it that we can just pray and we're desperately desiring God to send people to us, that we can show them their word of God to show how incredible and holy this God is, is to really desire that is, is are we praying? I hope we are every single day. If God just put people in my life that we get an opportunity to just go. Let me show you how incredible God is is absolutely incredible. But there's a desire, and if the, de- you know, there's a lot of things we desire and we ask for it. Mm-hmm. But this is such an incredibly primary desire. Your name be honored as holy. And then this idea of being, curi- being curious is a really good thing. Kids have this on like pretty, pretty good, okay? Um, is this idea of curiosity, of knowing, you know, what, what we're seeing oftentimes can kind of be at the superficial level, what's deeper. Like, what's down there? What's inside of me? Like, I'm curious, God, is there is there something inside of me that I'm resisting you? And I want you to please show me, show my neighbors, show my friends, show my brothers. Because I'm curious. I'm curious to know the what Paul prays in Ephesians 3. I'm curious to know how deep your love is. And how wide your love is. And how high your love is. I'm curious to know that because here's the thing. Paul says in Ephesians 3 that we would only know that through the Holy Spirit. That's how amazing that is. But it's curiosity that spurs us on oftentimes. The curiosity of what will it be like. Peter says, set your your hope fully on the grace that will be realized when Jesus appears again. Right? Just being curious of that moment will spur on our faith. Set my hope. What will it be like when Jesus comes back and he says, set your hope on the grace that will just be, just put over his children that will experience. And again, curiosity brings us to that place expects from me. And I wonder what if I'm doing something, am I doing something that's profane? Like curiosity can take us to places, even in our relationships, to help one another. I love this, that that Paul writes this, and we're going to go ahead and take our communion here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. That right there, that is a man who is curious. You're talking about the resurrection. You mean we're going to join you in that resurrection? I wonder what that's going to be like. Can you imagine? It's like there is nothing that we can possibly experience on this on earth. And and he says here, my goal is, you can plug in, my desire is, my dream is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That's somebody that get Jesus. When I saw your sufferings, I want to share in that with you. I want to be counted in that with you. I don't want you to have to suffer for something that I'm not suffering for as well. I want to share in that with you. Being conformed to his death. Assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Alright, this is a man who is curious. He is intimate. He has this deep desire. Listen, you don't say these words to just say words. Okay? This is somebody who's just like, man, I am right there. And 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 I can't, I just want to know him more. I want to experience him more. I am, I want to know how this is gonna to work tomorrow at work. I want to know how this is gonna work in my family. I just wanna be in his word to know, man, how can I share in this with him? And so just that one starting point, our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Just that and just the, a tiny little exercise of kind of like piecing that apart and spending some time just praising him, connecting ourselves with what holiness is, what his expectation is, and the fact that He has given us his spirit to even save him. That's what we get to do when we take our communion each week, is that we do come in direct contact with God from a standpoint of going, listen, I want you still. I'm looking ahead. I'm grateful. I'm praising you. What you did for us, you didn't have to do. There wasn't anything in any of us that was so good that you thought, but man, that I, they kind of deserve that. What you did on the cross isn't what we, but it's one of the most beautiful things we've ever known in the entire history of the world, right? Because what it did is it exalted Christ as king. And you wonder what? We all began to be on the exact same playing field. Every single person, competitiveness, comparativeness, all of those things went out the window, right? And so it's this idea. So again, there's, there's something about going through these exercises that are so helpful because the, the hope is that our spiritual life truly is life, that there is some energy behind it, that there is some, some zeal behind it that is not just empty words, but it's like, wow, we're remembering Him, this incredible sacrifice, you didn't have to do it, that nothing will humble us more than that, Nothing will teach us more about the desperation that we're in, but also the lengths that God will go to rescue us. And then we're remembering his resurrection too. We're remembering something that's never happened on the face of the planet except for him at one time. That's what we're remembering. We're remembering that and going, wow, you want to know what? There is nothing that we will encounter that the team we're on already has the power. We're already on that team. If if God has the power to resurrect a human and He's gonna bring us all in there, we literally have nothing to worry about. Okay? And again, that's not me saying it. That's that's kind of the crock pot we should be marinating in at communion. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to nine four zero 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 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.